0: Hello, I'm Vada. I'm Carlo. And you are listening to VCR. Today we're exploring the wonderful topic of John Hughes and who is he and what did he do and why is he so significant? Carlo, why is John Hughes so significant? Why should we care? And who is. Uh,
1: back, in, uh, back in the 80s, famously so, uh, John Hughes wrote and directs some of what became thought of as the quintessential uh high school experience movies, uh despite being at the time, I think in his late 20s or 30s.
0: Yeah, I want to say that was cat is
1: attacking me. me. I need to put the cat down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that was about right. But yeah, you're right. He created that entire teen genre that wasn't quite there in the 80s. Um and he it, it was up... the first the uh,
1: teen movies that were like horny and dweeby instead of being uh the archies where everyone is like sure of themselves and boy, they want to hold their girlfriend's hand. No, they were weird little perverts. They were all horny and upset about everything. <laughs> they were terrified of zits, like the, the actual feel of being um, pretty specifically a suburban, upper middle-class white kid,
0: mm. but a
1: very realistic high school experience. Or, or oh. at least realistic. I, I don't think that's right. I, I've always felt that it's more of the uh, a dreamlike quality of what it feels like to be in high school
0: exactly but it was more realistic than a lot of the other stuff that was coming out previously before that like art. and i think hughes captures this really amazing way of at the time really the way teenagers probably really did feel about things and how they spoke and how they reacted to things now was it the perfect ideal setup for all teenagers no and we'll get into that a little later because mm-hmm. there are things that his characters could do that uh, if me and Carlo were back in high school, would not have been able to ever do. <laughs> no. And we'll jump into that a little later. But yeah. John Hughes creates that amazing 80s teenage movie and so much more. I was really surprised about that in my research. Uh, but so much more and hugely, hugely significant. So let's make this a little bit more simplistic. Carlo, what are some of your favorite John Hughes movies?
1: See. Well, my, my all-time favorite John Hughes nearly beating out another one but my all-time favorite is actually not a good example of what we were just talking about it is probably him at his most angry confrontational it is an an old 1991 ed o'neill vehicle called dutch ed o'neill no one is better at playing that like fuck you i'm a curmudgeon (laughs) angry guy (laughs) as ed o'neill no one does it better
0: and and you're absolutely right on that because if you think about it when Ed O'Neill jumps on the scene with, with married with children, he's Al Bundy, you know, angry and a curmudgeon because of life. And then later on, we see him in, of course, modern family, huge hit, huge success, but he's an angry (laughs) grandfather and parent and a curmudgeon in that as well.
1: Yeah. And he, he's always done also a good job of like, he's always done that great job of being the curmudgeon with a little heart of gold. Like, Mm-hmm. It comes out eventually, and he has that moment where like, oh, he does love everybody. He is kind and generous and a giving and a warm soul. Unless you suck, then, he, then he's mad at you and he hates you. But uh, in Dutch, he is the new boyfriend of a recently divorced woman whose son is a horrible spoiled brat off at uh, private school and b- being brought home, I think, for Thanksgiving dinner. Ed O'Neill sent like to go and pick him up from uh, boarding school while she preps the house gets everything ready so he has never met the kid he is showing up hi i'm your mom's new boyfriend who you blame for the divorce mm-hmm. and i want to get to know you so instead of flying back we're going to drive back <laughs> through the rust belt because he's uh, he's you know he's like a works with his hands kind of guy he is actually very successful and has become and like that's part of the story he is he has enough money to stand toe to toe with his rich piece of shit dad Together, they drive across the country to get back to, uh, home to mom. Mm-hmm. And they have this learning experience where the kid, who's never had a real relationship with his father, he just idolizes this guy from afar, mm-hmm. meets an actual man who, who takes care of him. Even when he's mad at him, even when he's like annoyed by him, he teaches him this trick with a deck of like nudie playing cards. So like you can make the cards kind of dance a little bit, Mm -hmm. and then he just leaves them where he can find it. Like he left, definitely left these like here's some new playing cards, um man to man kind of way without Mm -hmm. being mushy about it, which would which is not in any way bad, but that's definitely not his character, so it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um and it's got one of the best um comeuppance for the shitty I'm rich and therefore I don't have to be nice to anybody kind of guys getting knocked at one knocked down a peg. One of my favorite scenes. I highly recommend Dutch. Uh, but again, not, a, not his usual fare. Outside of the fact, st- Chicago is still a uh, main part of the storyline, and it's still about rich super <laughs> like
0: And you know what? You bring up an interesting point. So maybe we should have started off with what are some of John Hughes' staples? That everyone would, for people who don't know who John Hughes is, yeah. let, let's let's rattle off a couple of his more famous movies that way people have likely to have heard of too. So um, I'm gonna throw out Ferris Bueller's Day off. I mean, that that I think is his signature piece right there is Ferris. Bueller's it is Day the
1: jewel in his in his crown. Absolutely, it is,
0: it is the the shining gem on that crown It's Ferris Bueller's Day off. Of course, the Breakfast Club. Yep, and like, then, I- iconic. It
1: is lampooned lovingly and derisively all across media. So many people who have never, like young kids that have never seen that movie, would immediately recognize it. Mm-hmm. Going, hey, they they're dressed like that episode of Rick and Morty or something. And yeah, that's where so so many things have uh, were begat.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, and even Target did a commercial based on the dance scene in 16 candles yep. everyone tries to recreate that scene because it's so iconic and classic um, famously used in
1: the community but uh abed and troy did the same little truck along dance
0: from the, from the you movie. know what i'm i'm an idiot and you didn't catch me being an idiot i, I totally screwed up that title and i'm going to keep this in there to teach myself a lesson i said 16 candles and it was not 16 candles it was breakfast club yeah i'm I'm a moron but that leads me to the segue of 16 candles also <laughs> awesome. another amazing teen 80s movie having her birthday or the same day that her sister is getting married and everyone forgets about her birthday and it was just it was a sweet movie it was a good movie and it's, it's again quintessential one of more famous yeah
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it, it, absolutely. Careers and it's a quintessential. Um, oh, I'm the awkward girl who's secretly gorgeous, who feels ignored and no one cares about me. I wish the popular jock guy would like me, who's of course secretly in love with her. Mm-hmm. And that's the scene at the end where just the two of them celebrate her birthday with a cake sitting on the table with the candles has become this like spark of romance. It is the It is as the most romantic teen teens in love thing that i can think of that isn't either holy saccharine and lies sitting in a field holding hands listening to taylor swift or (laughs) is a little more ribaldry like and they make out and they fuck in a car like without getting like dirty with it that is the most like realistic feeling of and again dreamlike quality feeling of being a a uh, high school student like it's my birthday and nobody cares. In reality, that girl—they probably got her a cake, but yeah, it's your sister's wedding. That is a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> like it's that's not. Well, no, I side. don't.
0: I don't think mm-hmm. they ever like her parents. No, in, got in her the, the, the movie cake. they. Yeah,
1: in the movie they they generally forgot. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't like there wasn't no turnaround where oh we were kidding of course we love you. No, they completely forgot. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, in the real world, that's what it would feel like. Mm-hmm. Chances are you would get a cake from your mom and dad. you get like, oh, yeah, here's, a, here's like 50 bucks. Let's go to go, go to Hot Topic, whatever you're going to do. There, there would be a nod towards it because in reality, your sister's wedding is a bigger deal than your birthday. Yeah. Hopefully, well, she only has the one wedding. You're going to have more birthdays.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, it's not that big a deal, but it feels like it. In the movie, you know, never once in the movie do you think like, what is she complaining about? Mm-hmm. So what? It's your birthday. You do feel the devastation of being a sixteen-year-old girl who everyone forgot her birthday.
0: Absolutely, and it, it's he has an amazing way of being able to capture those emotions and and taking something so simple and just making a brilliant script out of it. He was an amazing writer, really nope, was. Better at loneliness. Oh god! Oh,
1: in the in your god. own head, it's not as bad as it all that, but it feels really bad. Loneliness,
0: absolutely. And he was he was the king of that. You know that I'm alone no one loves me type of thing because mm-hmm. if you think about it that's almost other that's than Ferris, everything we've mentioned yeah other than of bueller
1: uh his friend
0: well oh Not yes Ferris that's himself. right cameron was alone that's right cameron and was, it was all about alone. him you know, yeah helping cameron so you're right i want to shut the fuck up on that yeah
1: his dreamlike quality for cameron is if you follow the story with cameron as kind of the mate as kind of who you should who you line up with you have the popular guy uh, the popular best friend with this gorgeous girlfriend that he uh that he can he gets away with stealing her from school like kidnapping her from school legally speaking kidnapping this child from school he
0: kidnapped her from school yeah yeah <laughs>
1: legally speaking by by impersonating her father and stealing Cameron's dad's car that's just to get her out of school mm-hmm. that's how much they that's what they, how many crimes were committed and of course he gets away with it but he gets to go while he's not the coolest guy in the world he's best friend with and again, if you took a real life corollary, he's the guy like, yeah, he's, six, he's, he's 16 and his dad lets him drive the Mustang every once in a while. That's all it is. But that's how cool he feels. If you are that 16 year old, 16, 17 year old, whatever, like a, I think he's a senior or something. You're, if you're a high school senior, that you're the coolest guy in your school is Ferris Bueller. And if you were his friend, you could go on those, vac- on those, on those cool adventures.
0: Amazing adventure. So yeah, it's, yeah. So, so it, you're right, you're that, right. Cameron was that I'm alone. I have nobody. No one cares about me. Uh, character, and yep. it was all about giving his best friend the best day off ever. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So I'm gonna shut up on that one.
1: But, it also follows through to mm-hmm. an, one of the one of the one of the gifts he, he gave America. I feel like it's. I can say that he gave America the gift of some of the best John Candy
0: movies. He does. Oh my God. He really does. Um,
1: Uncle Buck, one of my all-time... Actually, I don't think I have... Actually, so many John Candy movies I love I love so much, I can't actually pick I cannot pick my favorite. Uh, but The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Steve Martin.
0: I am in love with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I think it is the best Thanksgiving movie out there. Um,
1: absolutely yeah you
0: that is like you you eat and then you go watch trains planes and automobiles because it is an amazing him and steve martin in that movie were just boom spectacular and that movie great
1: all-time comedy duo
0: yes didn't make more movies and not just that but you know that is one of the again one of these few movies that you can play it at any time and it's still relevant it is like mm-hmm. standing the test of time yes absolutely it, the the technology in the movie isn't that great but it still stands the test of time
1: what of there's a little there's a couple of little details about that movie that makes it something that I always That is, it's one of those movies I watch every single year. I I say that a lot. There are a lot of movies that I make a point of watching every, this is my Thanksgiving movie. I always watch it. Clayton Street and Automobiles have these two magical quality moments. Um, The general idea is two guys who are not in any way related to know each other end up bumping into each other multiple times at first on their way home for the holidays, for Thanksgiving dinner. Steve Martin is the straight-laced, uh, big time professional CEO, mm-hmm. John uh, John Kenny's character sells curtain rings. He's a door to door shower curtain ring salesman. Mm-hmm. But he has a, mu- a bunch of people that he runs into over and over again. So, and he's generally likable for a short period of time. That's what makes him a good salesman. He, you like him for the for two minutes, mm-hmm. and then he's gone. Um, and they're since they keep bumping into each other, they end up getting snowed out. Chicago uh they can't fly into town so they have to find another way so they can't take a plane so they try to take a train so they try to take a car so they do it's all the different things they do uh all the different vehicles they go to try and get there to do this cross-country trip together to save time and money so they can get there together because there's only one rental there's only one seat (laughs) seat on the train like they have to share everything so Mm -hmm. they start to rely on each other but the straight-laced steve martin can't stand this kind of goofy oddball John Candy.
0: Super annoying because that's the other super thing. Super annoying, him. yeah. He's, he's supposed d- to be super annoying and over the top, and he really yeah. is. Great and for two minutes, sets and after the that car he's too on much fire. <laughs> in, in the
1: vehicle, when they have, a, when they get a rental car and they're driving, he, he sets it on fire. <laughs> so he the car while he's driving, he accidentally sets the car on fire. The car on fire as they are driving down, like the entire front is a fireball, mm-hmm. and Steve Barn wakes up to this, looks over, sees John Candy looking at him Everything's on fire, screaming in terror. Mm-hmm. Camera jump cuts to Steve Martin looking at him and screaming in terror. Jumps back to John Candy screaming in terror. Jumps back to Steve Martin who screams with a new, with new horror mm-hmm. as it jumps back back to John Candy for one for one like one literally one second he is in a devil. like Halloween costume <laughs> devil outfit laughing and pointing at you. So it's like ah 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 ah, ah. That, That's how long it, the, the cut, but it's this beautiful little like. That's what he looks like to him he's this cartoon devil that's gonna get him killed mm-hmm. um and the, the other part of, the, of those like brilliant little like just little cinematography moves little director moves
0: um he was brilliant in that way in his in his visualization like uh, if you think about it john hughes gives us some of the most iconic visuals too so for example not just the dance scene in Breakfast Club, but if you think of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that whole damn day off where they're mm-hmm. standing there in front of the museum and they're lined up in a certain way and the way the light of the art is hitting them and, and the way they're looking at things, everyone mm-hmm. tries to replicate that and they just can't. In oh, yeah. uh, that whole little museum montage, that, yeah. that was just, some brilliant visuals that that were created and it's just amazing but going back to some yeah. of the other uh john hughes john candy movies uh, one of my favorites only the lonely i don't know if you have ever seen that such I a don't good think movie. I've seen only the Lonely. oh my god um uh, just gonna give you a very watered down synopsis so if you know john candy and for those of you who don't look mm-hmm. him up he was a very very heavy set man uh, very heavy set but he was a great comedian and very lovable but huge huge man and the joke in this or the story behind this is john candy is a chicago police officer and he's a big guy and he deals with his weight and he has an overbearing mother and what ends up happening is he is falling in love with this woman that he met um he's had he's very likable. Everyone likes him, but he has issues meeting people because of his weight. And in this, he meets this gorgeous woman who comes to love him for who he is and not what he looks like. And the name of the movie, again, is Only the Lonely. And Maureen O'Hara, a very classic actress, plays the mother. uh, A very irish catholic mother in this and it was okay. such a good movie so one of my recommendations is if you are feeling lonely or sad or depressed about yourself and you need a little a uh, boost only the lonely great john hughes movie great john candy movie so i'm gonna Thank stop you? i'm gonna stop my beat off to that and then <laughs> but uh, one,
1: one thing huh chris columbus what I was trying to remember, like, I don't remember Only the Lonely, so I looked it up while you we were talking. I'm like, actually, I think I have seen this. Mm-hmm. It was actually directed by Chris Columbus.
0: Yes, directed uh, by Columbus, written by Hughes, though.
1: Mm. Was it? Okay. Yeah. All right. That does and, sound like it because, it, again, it's a rumination on loneliness. Mm-hmm. That makes
0: sense. Yeah, so uh, the thing that I think we need to also drop about Hughes is that he is not just a famous director, but a lot of these scripts he wrote, and they were mm-hmm. amazing yeah he he'll read the,
1: the beethoven series which is a little kind of out there but
0: yeah i i you <laughs> know when in doing my research i was totally shocked that the whole beethoven thing was his mm. i was totally shocked but then i was also shocked about something else
1: well he did write alone he did have someone with him so that might be
0: yeah it could be part of that, that. but one of the things that totally surprised me, and it was a movie. I'm going to tell you that I, I I never liked the movie, but gained respect for it only after I knew John Hughes wrote it. Okay. and that was Home Alone. Yeah, I I never okay. liked Home Alone. It True. was not something that appealed to me. And mm-hmm. it's not—it's not one of my go-to Christmas movies. It really isn't. I've never really cared for it. Yeah, but,
1: I have seen it. That, that is not—that is not one of—not pointedly, but that is not one of my uh, must-watch yeah, every year movies. That's just it, a, it
0: isn't. It is, I know a lot yeah. of people love it, but it's just not my thing. But when I found out that was written by John Hughes, I was like, oh, well, I—I I can now see it, and now I have slightly more respect for it. I can't. <laughs> I can't say that i'm ever gonna go watch it again but i am gonna say that i respect it now because it was a john hughes movie
1: it falls under those things like if i have kids uh or if i'm like everybody's cool uncle when they're when they're young enough uh when they're like 10 or 12 or something we're gonna i would watch that with them Mm -hmm. so they can root for like the little kid beating up on uh
0: on the bad bur- guys. On the, the, the burglars,
1: yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, like, they're going to hit him with a paint can. That, don't do that. That would kill someone. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, again, iconically, it is about the lonely little kid. They forgot They forgot him. It, and uh, and the dreamlike quality, uh, dreamlike reality, almost like it's like... Um,
0: Cartoonish almost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was trying to think of the... Uh, there's a writing genre... Uh, kind of, it's very Mexican in origin. What's it called? Magical realism.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm.
1: It's very, it's, it's, it is white suburban magical realism, where like, oh, they left me, and that's great for a minute, and then it's bad, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to fight off the intruders using like paint cans and toys, the the weapons of a child. It's this like uh, the anger and cynicism of adulthood encroaching on the childlike wonder of Christmas. He's even, remember, he's even helped by the old man in a beard. Like, almost this fable about retaining your youth and appreciating your family.
0: Yeah. Steve did really
1: that. I'm lonely and no one loves me.
0: Exactly. Funny. And I think, you know, if you think about it, that's that's a huge theme in every one of John Candy's, I mean, John Candy's, John Hughes's movies, is <laughs> that, that loneliness. And it kind of makes you wonder... I mean, maybe it's just such a relatable theme that you couldn't go wrong with it, but it also kind of makes you wonder, uh, were you alone a lot, John? Did no one come and tell you I love you enough in your in your very <laughs> suburban Chicago neighborhood there?
1: I, I won't pretend I've, I've read a autobiography or a biography of any kind, but I did a little bit of research and he... Um as known to friends and family. Yeah. He was a lonely kid Uh, in high school. He was not popular. He was, uh, he was the Anthony Michael Hall of the breakfast club. He was the (laughs) sitting in the corner writing and drawing little doodles for himself and didn't really have a lot of friends. So a lot of his, and I think that's where some of that magical realism comes into play. He didn't have the scope of, like you went out and did something as a, as a teenager, I'm sure. And you, which was maybe, maybe you, you stole uh alcohol from your parents and you went out to a field and got and got drunk behind bleachers somewhere and you felt like a rebel or you went to a couple of parties and nothing happened at these parties but you got to go and or you didn't get to go all the like things that happened in high school got in, compa- got compacted by the fact that you're you know a horny hormone hormone driven monster we all all of us were mm. and that if you the further away the more glamorous those things would look i remember that um in high school there are these parties that they would throw like once a month some one of the popular kids threw a party um where all the like the testosterone driven like i need to hit something because i don't know how my dick works um would they would do like a little fake (laughs) boxing arena thing and i would hear about it i never went but i was here in all those stories i heard it was this like massive title fight that dude over there, that, that skinny little guy who's clearly in the closet and needs to come out because I, I know the di- guy he's been fucking. like, mm. Just come out. You'll, you'll be less angry. Um, and this dude, who really likes to beat up his girlfriend, they're going to go and have a fight and it's going to be the, the the title match. It's going to be fucking Ollie and Foreman. Holy shit. And I know in reality they slapped each other co- for a couple of seconds. One of them got one good hit in and then they stopped fighting and then they all went and drank fucking wine coolers. I know in reality that's what happened. But since I never went to those parties, I always heard the the magical version, the
0: blown up fable These story,
1: Dragon Ball Z yes, yes. fights, and I think that that's where some of that comes. That's where those things, where those moments in like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where although they are hiding and trying not to get caught by a principal who is hunting him like a dog, his own father who they keep running into. He goes and decides, oh, Affairs Miller decides, I'm going to go and sing at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Not Thanksgiving Day. I don't know what the parade was. No, it was, no, it was uh, uh... St. Patrick's Day. Was it St. No, it was Oktoberfest. Because I, there can't, were, there I were... can't
0: honestly remember what the parade was for. It was just a parade that was happening on the in Chicago. There happened to be a parade, in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So he,
1: I think they were like St. Paul's Girls, like the, the German beer hall made mm-hmm. outfits on some of the girls. I don't know. That but... was
0: the float that he took over. Yes. Right. So okay. So the just German, been a random float. That German float. Yeah. So we
1: assume it was Chicago Mardi Gras. Brought um, <laughs> <laughs> worse everywhere. Uh, but he, he takes the mic and he sings for an entire crowd of people watching him on the float. That, break that out and
0: dance and choreography. And it was that. Yeah, because in reality, that doesn't happen. But yeah. you know, you have that beautifully choreographed. Uh, scene there where the people are just partying and dancing, and then they go off to that stair shot where everyone is just like in unison and choreographed beautifully. And in reality, that doesn't happen, you know. And and you're right, it is that magical realism, and it is that almost I want to still say the word cartoony, but that's probably not the right word. But it is that magical realism, it is that fantasy. That this could happen on your day off, if, yeah. if you were it's how a kid. it feels.
1: It's not realistic.
0: Yeah, it isn't realistic. And, and, let, and let's talk a little bit about how some of these things weren't realistic. And let's. My favorite example is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It is a great, sure. amazing movie. I love it. It was one of my favorites, and it's one of those uh, few that I can rewatch and just enjoy every time I rewatch it. Mm-hmm. But it's not realistic. And it's not realistic to, well, it's not realistic for people like me and you, if if we were in high school. I know when I went to high school, I went to a very, uh, I guess you would call it a low-income high school. And so if I skipped a day of school to have a day off, it was not to go have that amazing day off that Ferris Bueller does. Because if you think about it, He skips. He does all this amazing stuff. He goes to a museum. He parks his car, the Ferrari, in a garage that... Private parking lot. Tips
1: a $100, not to scratch it.
0: Exactly. Then they go end up at this extremely expensive French restaurant. And all these things. And they end up at a baseball game at Ridley Field. And I was like... Where the fuck do teenagers get this kind of money from? And maybe for them, because mommy and daddy, because obviously um, in the Ferris Bueller setup, they're very well off people. You know, the, yeah. the dad works in advertising, the mom's in real estate. Uh, they yeah. never exactly house. explain what Cameron's dad does. But Cameron's dad clearly makes bank because he has that yeah. Ferrari. Um, yeah,
1: that Ferrari, that house, like he, he has a whole like a second story garage just yeah. for the car.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And so that stuff's not realistic for us. It's a great escape mentally and visually. But when I was in high school, if I wanted to skip, I would end up having to leave campus, take the the bus, not even a car, because I didn't have my own car in high school, take a bus over to my house and skip and hang out at my own house yeah. <laughs> because i didn't have money to be like hey let's go down to the museum of fine arts and let's go catch uh, an astros game or let's go catch uh, you know whatever some yeah. festival that's randomly happening as teenagers we didn't have that kind of resource i don't know did you have that kind of resources no teenager? not at all
1: so no, the closest the closest a day off like that i took because i skipped a lot because i hated school um the closing i did was uh i think junior year since i didn't have a car either i still i still bust into school um and i watched the bus driver who was new didn't know the way because busing routes are stupid they're, they're, they're poorly run okay. um didn't get off on the right didn't get off on the uh, off the right exit just kept going no one else in the bo- bus saw anything so i just let it happen waited until he realized, oh, I'm out of, I'm running out of gas. I've gone so far. It's like two hours late for school, I've Gone so far. I'm running out of gas. I still haven't seen my exit. So he pulls over, pulls over. And we ended up at like, I don't know which mall, but it was like some mall, very far from, from my side of town. Um, it was, it was just a nice mall. i like, I, and that day I happened to have, uh, I think I had like 30 bucks on me. It's like, okay. All right. Here's the plan. I, I just, I, I just actually happened. I talked to the bus driver. I was like, "Just leave us here. Anyone who wants to go back, get in the bus, go back. That's fine." But me, these two, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Well, frankly, we're gonna go steal a movie or go to an arcade or something because this is back. This is a hundred years ago. There's still yeah. arcades. But we would just not be at school. I had thirty dollars. That's enough for lunch and bus fare home. I can figure out a bus. I'm not an idiot. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I can get one of these assholes some fries. We're good. So we're just going to get off the bus here because you are three hours late to get us there because you're an idiot. And we would have gone. I was like, I was all for it. Like, yeah, I'm going to get off. I'll get off right here. Let's go. let's Guys, who's coming with me? But and the only reason we did it was the bus driver said, no, if you, if you all get off, then I can say I dropped you off and no one can say it. Then it's just my word against yours. But if, if if I take any of you, but not all of you, then I'll get in trouble. So everyone has to get back on the bus. Mm-hmm and because one person was like afraid like i don't know what to do like i will get you home it's fine I, I i'll give you bus fare you can get to the school you'll be fine everything's fine this would be amazing we could have the adventure we could do the thing i mean 30 bucks but, for but like, on a 30
0: food. budget there.
1: on a 30 budget and that was the closest i got to doing something where it's like no fuck it just take off and go on and have a have a day off
0: and, and $30 you know, for a teenager back in our day, that was a lot of money back then, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. So we could have done, like, we could have gone to McDonald's and probably got something from Blockbuster, because Blockbuster was still a thing back then. Yeah. Uh...
1: <laughs> I know exactly what, I'd done, what I would have done. I would have been at the arcade all day. I would have spent $20, and I would have finally beat the ninja, the four-player Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade game. Mm-hmm. I would have beaten that. And I would have probably gotten like yeah McDonald's for lunch. That would have been it. that'd have been my whole day.
0: There you go, perfect teenage day. Yeah, but see Ferris Spieler's <laughs> Day Off goes beyond that, and it's really really mm-hmm. over the top as to. But again, different socioeconomic background, and maybe they could yeah. afford something like that, and maybe mm-hmm. they could get away with that kind of crap. But it is kind of or- the
1: the motif of along all of them, along with being about loneliness, about that that sort of um, magical realism sort of approach. It's always about specifically upper middle class, very white, Mm -hmm. pretty well-to-do Chicagoans.
0: Yes, it it very much is. A lot of his early teen movies were all that yuppie type of thing. Back in the days, what we Mm -hmm. called yuppies. Uh, If you don't know what a yuppie is from those millennials who are listening, uh, yuppie stood for young, up-and-coming Young
1: urban yeah, professional.
0: Yeah, that's a Young, uh, young. <laughs> I was like, I was going to do with that. Like, I stopped because I was like, where the <laughs> fuck am I going with that? Uh I need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, uh, I have I have had way too much coffee, probably. Uh, probably. But a young urban professional is what that yeah. meant. So it was a lot of John Hughes movies were yuppie based, you know, and that's the thing with any of his movies really are are yuppie based even home alone they're yuppies it's the 90s but they're still yuppies yeah even though we stopped using that term by the 90s but that's what it was and so in that case some of his movies in that sense weren't really that relatable i think the the theme that did make it relatable again was that loneliness You know, because it's something that as teenagers, especially as teenagers, we all go through that period. Oh, my God, no one loves me. We become all emo for a moment. And then finally, we just shut the fuck up about it. But getting back to our amazing point here of John Hughes is just brilliant. And something that we should all kind of be doing is every now and then treating ourselves to a John Hughes movie. Don't you think, (laughs) Carlo?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, even if you, you, for some people, the journeying down the path of what how the teenagers feeling again can be feel old. Go get yourself the great outdoors. I rewatched it just the other day. Uh, go go see Uncle Buck, one of my all time favorites. Go go see his John Candy stuff. If you don't want to do the teenage stuff, go see his John Candy stuff. Oh, and God, if you want yeah. to be like the Split the Difference, National Lampoon's Vacation.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes. So, Carlo, for some of those people out there who. Are not as familiar with John Hughes or as fans as we are of John Hughes. And maybe for those listeners who have never heard of John Hughes, I think we need to recommend some John Hughes movies. Oh, sure. That way our fans can be a bit more familiar. So what do you say we we do about three movies each that people can Go out, watch, and enjoy. That way, they have six movies all together to be like, "I'm going to explore John Hughes." Uh, so,
1: sure. Now, I, I started. I already gave my my my, my favorite. Your favorite, Dutch? Dutch? Yeah. Yeah. So, I right. definitely start that one. Try it out. It is great for the, uh, curmudgeonly angry. Everything will be fine. Relax. It's a John Hughes movie, but <laughs> but it's a little. they they're all. It's as dark as he end, goes. I think. You know. So uh, you go. You go next. I'll get the next one.
0: Okay, I'm gonna go with my all-time favorite John Hughes movie. is is the classic, and it's one everyone should enjoy. I feel everyone should enjoy it. Is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. It is great. It is amazing. It's one. Also, I think one of the first of the MTV movies that they start uh, getting into. But it's that idea of two friends, two best friends going to go out there and for this one day have an amazing, incredible adventure, you know, and really Ferris' motivation is to give this amazing adventure as a gift to his friend Cam who clearly Mm -hmm. has all these issues and who has not really lived a day in his life. And he explains this in the movie that, you know, once cam goes off to college, it's, they're never going to see each other again really that much. And so I'm going to go with Ferris Bueller's day off. What would be your next one?
1: My next one is going to be, we're going, we're going John Candy. Now my next one is going to be uncle Buck. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is the Black Sheep Makes Good story. Uh, Uncle Buck, played by John Candy, is the uh, racing form in one hand, cigar in the other, trench coat wearing fedora, like kind of the asshole brother. Um, brother Brother-in-law, depending on which one. Um, Parents have to leave. They're leaving their kids. Uh, They have business or something. They have to be out of town. Um, They need someone to watch the kids, Uh, one of which is a young Macaulay Culkin before he got home alone. This is actually... Uh, a few years before that, how he got the, the, uh, the role of Home Alone was this movie. Um, so he's, you know, there's the precocious kids and they're adorable. And the drinking, fighting, smoking, uh, John Candy shows up as Uncle Buck, who with his own, like, he doesn't have the gets down on one knee. Hey, there, slugger, everything's going to be okay. The teacher's mean to the, the daughter, he shows up and, Gives her a quarter to have a rat gnaw something off her face. Like he shows up and he's confrontational. Instead of the wagging the finger at the daughter who got yelled at, wags the te- uh, finger at the, the teacher. You're not respecting my my kid, so you're the asshole. Mm. Um, the kid uh, kids are frightened by something. He shows up with a baseball bat. Like all right, let's kill it then. Like he has this gruff exterior and he does. He is not familiar with the you know living close with the family. He's been alone. He's in a a uh, single room apartment efficiency in the downtown of chicago he goes out to the suburbs with his rich white family and he he finds it at first off putting he feels out of place he slowly makes his way there uh one of the themes uh, not the themes one of the symbols of the movie is he has this massive old buick that every time it starts up there's like boom, when a black smoke billows out of it he it's him he's, he's he's the car but when it comes down to it like oh we need to like we need to get to the side of town like I no one can drive me here. All their fancy cars, none of them support me. Here comes Uncle Buck in the fig, big ass Buick which goes off like a gunshot every time he cuts the engine. But he shows up, he's reliable. And that's that yeah, he he's not fancy. Yeah, he's not he's not shiny and new, but he is reliable. He will always be there for you. And that kind of being the theme of the movie mm-hmm. as he kind of ingratiates himself to the family and really becomes part of it again.
0: Yeah. That was that was a, a thrill to watch. But I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go into something a little obscure that maybe a lot of people haven't seen, and then follow it back up with something that a lot of people probably have heard. Uh, okay. She's having a baby. I don't know if you know. I'm not, that. I'm not. I'm not very aware of that one. That one was a really good one. It starred uh, a very very young Kevin Bacon and a very very young Demean Moore. And Alec Baldwin is even in it for a moment. Uh, But what happens is it is pretty much its name. She's having a baby. So is this young couple, yuppies, because this is 1988 when this movie is made. Mm -hmm. And they are married and they're building this life together and the first house that they move into is absolute shit <laughs> the apartment is shit all this other stuff and it's it's comedic cuz they're trying to build this life together and they're having all these struggles that when you're first starting off you're going to have like a job and a career that's going to help pay for said life this suburban chicago type of life they're trying to do And the weird neighbors that they've now moved into type of thing and trying to let them they're still young enough to where they're trying to let go of those party years and being in college. But now they have the added joy of oh she's pregnant. And now we have to deal with this and then the temptation that Kevin Bacon has about having an affair type of thing I'm not going to ruin anything. but what's kind of interesting about it is it goes back to that magical realism or fantasy thing where for some odd reason, there is this dance scene at a neighborhood picnic. Okay. <laughs> just this random well choreographed dance scene uh, that's in there, just thrown in there. And it was a really, really good movie. It's not one of the more famous movies, John Hughes movies and I don't think a lot of people mm. even know uh, John Hughes directed it and produced it but it was a good John Hughes movies and if you watch it you will see this is totally John Hughes and it was very entertaining because it's a comedic look along with a bit of drama as to when you're first starting off in life and how difficult and shitty that can be unless you really love this person and you can work it out type of situation but it, it was a very very good movie hmm. no john I've candy that though one. that no, no john candy that was a sad
1: thing i know that's probably why i haven't seen it because like, i don't want to see it
0: <laughs> your turn mr McGanya.
1: okay for my last one another john candy vehicle um it's going to be it was written by I don't remember who directed it uh i can check actually very easily Howard Dutch,
0: which
1: mm. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll read up on and see what else he's done, but uh, written by uh, John Hughes, we have the great outdoors, uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Candy uh, together in a very weird movie. John Candy is the patriarch of a little Chicago, upper middle class family. <laughs> uh, and they're going off for vacation for the summer. They've rented a cabin out in the woods and, um, in a little like in a little town made up of like log cabins and a little uh, tourist town. So I I, like I keep Cod or something. Um, and they're going up for the to kick back, relax. He is gonna cook up some hot dogs on the grill. They're gonna have a few beers on a boat on a, on a canoe looking at of, of the lake. They're gonna go fishing. very quaint. Dad wants to spend time with the family. This is what dad likes. so surely the kids will like it too. And they're all, you know, suburban white kids. So they're like, "No, I want to go to do city stuff. I don't want to go to the, to the you woods." Want to do school.
0: suburban white kid things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then the extra metropolitan family shows up. The uh, the brother in law played by Dan Aykroyd, who is a uh, slick guy from New York who makes money with stocks and bonds and things. That guy shows up. Slick back hair. Um, what are you making hot dogs? I brought lobster. That dude shows up. <laughs> um, and he's this—he's uh, annoying, and he is oh, constantly shit. talking outside with a cigar. Hold on, hold on,
0: hold on! Look, we got a color television. It's huge. He wants to T- yeah take that back. For God. some reason, the video froze up as soon, uh, right after you said lobster. It froze, okay. and it was just you doing this. For so we lost whatever you said in there.
1: Okay, I'll go back to that. <clears throat> uh, Darry, Re- he's the. Oh, what are you doing? We're gonna have a weenies? That's ridiculous! No, I brought lobster. We have lobster. So every quaint and embracing the outdoor thing, John Candy is is up for. His family are lukewarm, but they'll try. And then Dan Aykroyd's family, who has like creepy twin daughters, and the I'm all, we're rich and we're better than you wife. And there's this. It's a very slow boil animosity as it's getting a little more, a little more like difficult, a little harder to get along. Eventually, it, it comes to a head where they have they they have a big blow up, and they don't want their you know the the family falls apart. Like we're leaving, we hate you anyways, and they come back together, and everything's fine at the end. It's got one of the um one of my all time favorite scenes, uh, uh, for the 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 joke of if you can finish the whole meal, you get it for free.
0: Hmm.
1: That that joke, the best version of that, like of what that is. Is they have a massive steak and they're and they're like, hey, if you get if you finish the whole steak, you can get it for free. He's like, really? How big is it? And they're like, oh, it's like 65 ounces or something. I don't know it it's this massive steak. It's uh bigger than a cutting board. It's this massive pile of cow. Um and they bring it out and they're gonna have John Candy eat it. He's like he's like, if you finish the whole thing, it's free. And they bring it out. This big guy who's like forty percent beard of a man brings it out and he's eating it and he's slowing. You can see like John Candy, like huh. <laughs> no more steak, but he's still forcing it down because they're gonna win. The uh, entire restaurant like surrounds them to watch him. He takes the last piece, cuts it off like this, like sliver of bristle and fat. Cuts off the last piece of meat, pops his mouth. Everyone cheers, Woo! and then the beard guy just like leans forward. You have to finish it. What? And he points, and all that's left is like the 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 ribeye, the bone. Yeah, the bone and the sliver of fat.
0: Oh uh, yeah, like eat a sliver eight of fat.
1: inches of just gelatinous, gelatinous fat. That's all it is, all of it.
0: Hmm.
1: And he just and everyone's like, "You don't." It's okay, honey. You don't have. It. He's like, "No." <laughs> he goes forward, uh, and it cuts to them like having to walk him into the into the uh, cabin. And he's like wobbling, and it has the and he finally he he throws up, and it's hilarious. It's <laughs> the best version of that joke I've ever seen. It is this epic heroic moment. And he, he wins, and then he throws it up. But Gandors, <laughs> its a very silly. It is not a. It, it's not going to go down as a classic. It will likely be forgotten, but it'll be quietly like, "Oh yeah, I love that movie. That's a really good movie. Let's watch that again." That that is gonna it's gonna last a little bit longer, I think. And I don't think it's gonna go into the hallowed halls of comedy though.
0: <laughs> that that sounds like good. I you know, and I've never seen that, so I'm gonna treat myself to that off of your recommendation. Yeah. I am going to throw a classic out there uh, because we're coming up to that point where it's, it's the holidays, you know, where mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're going to hit Thanksgiving relatively soon. And so I am going to say, treat yourself, my friends, my listeners, my, my people. I <laughs> was probably more dramatic than what it needed to be, <laughs> but treat yourself to trains, planes, and automobiles absolutely you and it's it's such it's a comedy it's a what the fuck this is so over the top it's unrealistic but it is so touching in the end it is so fucking touching and i don't want to ruin it but it is again you have that theme of loneliness but you don't find that out till towards the end i'm gonna i'm gonna say that Mm -hmm. You don't find that out till more towards the end. And then the curmudgeon that Steve Martin plays, his heart melts. It becomes a true family film. But the adventure that they have, getting there, the the stealing of the cab, the getting thrown off the plane, the car rental and the car rental catching on fire, the having to sleep in the same bed and waking up. And Steve Martin's like, uh... Where your hands? He's like between, between two, pillows. two pillows. Those aren't pillows because they're between his balls. <laughs> and it was like so. They're like, oh god! And then they they go outside to jump in the car, and the car is totally melted because <laughs> they're still driving the damn car. It, it it was just amazing, and and it was something that I truly enjoyed. And you need to treat yourself to that for thanksgiving is breakdown and and it's not like you have to go out and buy the video i am sure uh, tv will play it you know come thanksgiving it will be one of the either marathon things on a on cable or something that's just randomly playing on a a tv station you need to treat yourself to that because it is spectacular um, it is but, worth
1: the what five dollars to digital rental rental somewhere.
0: Yes, it, it. You know, if you have to rent it, it is worth the rental, in in my opinion. Yeah. And absolutely. I truly love it. it. It was. It's just one of those that gets me every year. And and Carlo, you know, I have no heart. It reminds me maybe there <laughs> is a heart somewhere in there or something that should have been in this space that is empty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> little shriveled raisin
0: gasping for air yes just like (laughs) pump dead (laughs) once a year yes once a year it gets to move and that's the movie that does it for me but now that one will
1: absolutely go down in the annals of comedy history it really will still be looked at as a great comedy Mm -hmm. 56 years from now without breaking a sweat
0: and I think something I've, else- had, I've
1: had the conversation with so many people about, like, which comedies are going to stand the test of time. I feel like every year someone's like, This movie will always be funny. And I remember, like, since uh, my whole life, I'm like, no, hmm. I get that you like it. That's fine. Love it. You feel free to like it. This is not, does not make you wrong. But that is not a timeless comedy. That mo- comedy, that movie will not matter when. The people who are watching movies are too old to see it. Yeah, like everyone, you might love it now. Like I get it. You liked Austin Powers, okay? That's not going to last forever.
0: (laughs) No, it's not trains, planes, and automobiles. It it isn't. And so I think if you if you're going to do any of them, in my opinion, that's the one you should definitely do, Uh, next to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But I, I do want to throw out, if I may, if, if you're cool with it, I would like to throw out an honorable mention. Oh, please do. Yeah. Oh, something that and again, I've already mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it again. Something that a lot of people have not seen or heard of, but really good, only the lonely. I think that is something that is very relatable to a lot of people. And it is great comedy and absolutely brilliant. And I think that if you want to treat yourself to something that kind of makes you feel a little bit better about yourself, in a comedic way, only the lonely. Hmm. So hmm. that's my mon- honorable mention. I don't know if you have one, but that's yeah. one I want to throw out.
1: Well, the one as I, because I, I, what was going to be my honorable mention, if somehow you didn't say it was going to be planes, trains, and All. it was like. Hmm. The only reason I didn't put it on the list was like I assume that's going to be on yours, so I don't feel it needs to be repeated. <laughs> but if in the case that you didn't say like I don't know why you didn't say it, and I'm not that I I'm not pretending to put them in any order. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to see come across as wholly biased, almost pretty much just going like Yeah, John Candy movies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I like John Hughes because he hired John Candy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, you know what? I think we kind of need to mention this because they may not know this about John Hughes and John Candy is that. You know they're no longer with us. True. They they, they were like they were taken away uh, early. I think uh, John Hughes had a heart attack that proved mm-hmm. fatal, and John Candy I can't remember what it was that that he passed from. But neither one of those com- uh, you know neither one of those people are with us. And John Candy was just a brilliant comedian. Yeah, I mean neither one of them are with us, and it's it's tragic because it's. Like, what other amazing things would they have done if they were yeah. still around? But it should give us greater appreciation for, especially the things that, because this is our John Hughes episode that John Hughes has done and kind of given us and things that have been built off of that. Because yeah. a lot of his works, if you need to see a very impressive work resume, you need to check out John Hughes's filmography. Yeah, that obviously we have
1: not gone through every single title that he was. A, that. you
0: he can't. In. You just can't. You, you
1: know. I mean, it's not. He doesn't have this gigantic body of work. He is. A, a fair amount of work. So much of it is fantastic. Um, there are things we didn't go into, like he, uh, like he was, he like, co-writing Beethoven, which is my favorite joke about it. Like you've heard a lot of it, a, a lot of, of of a lot of them, or you'll see a lot of um, references and other things. You watch a TV show now. There's gonna be references to his stuff. Um, broad strokes, not a lot. Like there's not really, any, there aren't any misses. There aren't things that are just like, ah, that's just that was junk. He didn't have, um, for the most part. I haven't seen everything he's done, of course, but I haven't regretted well, just,
0: seeing Just, just to kind of give you all a list of his body of work, I'm just going to throw it out there. 1982 National Lampoon's Uh, Class Reunion, and Mr. Mom, National Lampoon's Vacation, 1983, Nat and Hayes, 1983, 1984, 16 Candles, 1985, he had, wow, he had a lot in 1985, he had 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, European Vacation, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Jesus Christ, 1985 was just a hit for that man, (laughs) because all those movies were hits. 86, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 87, Some Kind of Wonderful, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. 88, She's Having a Baby, The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck. 1989, Christmas Vacation. 1990, Home Alone, Career Opportunities. 91, Only the Lonely, Dutch, and Curly Sue. 1992, Beethoven, Home Alone 2, Dennis the Menace. 1993, Beethoven 2nd um 1994 baby's day out miracle on 34th street he has a credit for mall rats for creating a character so i'm not going to count mall rats okay 101 dalmatians 1996 i did not know that he did that and flubber and home alone three in 1997 (laughs) wow so he did two disney movies that's kind of impressive Uh, 1998, Reach the Rock. I have no idea what the fuck that is, but he produced nope. that. 2000, Beethoven's Third. 2001, Just Visiting, Newport South. Made in Manhattan, which kind of blew my okay. mind. 2002, Home Alone 4. And sadly, he ends with 2008, Drill Bit Taylor.
1: Okay. So, did not I did not catch Dropout Taylor? I didn't, didn't really call them
0: either, up. but that's because I'm not a Luke Wilson fan. Sure. So that's just me. I have a bias. <laughs> okay. But I might be able to respect it more knowing that John Hughes had something to do with it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's. Might. Yeah. That's bias, but yeah. That's not, yeah. That's yeah. Definitely.
0: But might. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Impressive. Check it out. Check out any of those films. And I think, much like John Hughes' career, we're coming to an end on this.
1: (laughs) Unless there's anything
0: else you can think of, Carlo.
1: No, Uh, except we should put a a pin on uh, doing a John Candy episode.
0: Yes, we're going to put that in our notes that we clearly... (laughs) need to do a John Candy episode because this was supposed to be all about John Hughes, but no, we could not do it without John Candy, and rightfully so. Uh, But we need to jump in there with a totally John Hughes John Candy movie type of thing. We'll mix them both up in that one too. Oh, but you know, one other notable mention someone that he used as a staple in a lot of his movies Miss Molly Ringwald how could yeah. how could we do this without mentioning Miss Molly Ringwald maybe because yeah. we're just not as impressed with her as we are with John Candy but you know why not
1: <laughs> well they they had a falling out
0: so she kind of stopped working with them <laughs> well that is true that is true they did have a falling out it was it was said through I think it's more his side than hers but probably it was said that Molly Ringwald was John Hughes's muse and that he totally adored her and did all this uh, you know creating of characters for her and they hung out a lot but there was a falling mm-hmm. out and they stopped working together and then of course John Candy is just always consistent but amazing so enough about that but any final thoughts before we end Carla um. That sums it up. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> I, I
1: I really think um, if you haven't seen a John Hughes movie, go take some of our uh, suggestions. Go watch them. Again, surprisingly timeless, even though they are very much of their time period. They there is a lot of that romanticism, magical realism as a maybe not an escape uh, as much as a a way out of loneliness. And I think that's, he, he told that story. He kind of told that story over and over again, but he told it really well. And in in ways that are worth a watch.
0: Absolutely. So definitely jump on the John Hughes train and, and take a trip at least to the next station and see what you like and maybe you want to stay on or maybe you want to get off i don't know but whatever you do email us let us know your thoughts on john hughes maybe you agree with us maybe you think oh my god he can withstand the test of time and these are the greatest recommendations ever or you may want to email us and say hey You're both morons, and I don't don't, don't know why I even bothered to watch these movies, (laughs) but email us. Let us know. Give us your thoughts at our email. Carlo, what is our email? I don't know. Neither do I, but I'm going to guess it is the VCR show at gmail.com. That is the VCR show at gmail.com. The VCR show is all one word. I realized I've never mentioned that before, but shoot us an email. Let us know. Yeah. And we will pretty much will probably respond. That that wouldn't be unusual for us, because we like to rant. <laughs> yep. Verbally and written. <laughs> but until next time, I'm Vada. I'm Carlo. And you have been listening to VCR. You were listening to VCR. Creative content by Richard Christopher Vada and Carlo Manuel Magana. The logo is created by Richard Christopher Vada with assistance from Annie Ramirez. The theme song is The Messenger by Silent Partner and can be found on YouTube Sound Library.